Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey guys, I'd like to take a second to shout out the network that helps distribute our show, Armchair Media. Armchair is a collection of 50 plus podcasts, including ours, trying to localize the sports world a bit more. Uh, we've been with them for, I don't know, like six months or so, but we have really enjoyed working with Andrew and the rest of the team. Saints Happy Hour podcast, you guys have heard us talk about them in the past, but starting June 1st, Bet Online will serve as the title sponsor for Armchair Armchair Network, as well as our show. Pretty cool, right? Uh, gone are the days of, of mowing our respective lawns. Now we are on to online sports gambling. So I guess that's a step uh, forward. Also, I want to shout out The Nine Club. It's the world's largest skateboarding podcast, hosted by professional skaters Chris Roberts and Kelly Hart. Uh, perhaps Kevin knows who they are. You can follow them at The Nine Club. To see all things Armchair, search Armchair Media wherever you get your pods. And make sure to check out Armchair's website, armchairmedianetwork.com. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. What's up, Pels fans? Welcome to another episode of the Bird Calls podcast. I'm your host and contributor to thebirdrights.com and Bleacher Report, Preston Ellis. Today, we are joined by Emmy Award winner, ESPN host, and NBA sideline reporter, Cassidy Hubbard. How are you, Cassidy? I'm good. Oh, well, excuse me. Thank you for the introduction. It was, it was, a, it was a Southeast Emmy, and it was like, you know, via three other people, but I'm going to take that. All right, I'm an Emmy winner. <laughs> I think bragging rights come uh, with winning an Emmy, regardless of how you win it. Uh, That's what I'm saying. I took a picture with it. I didn't get to take it home, but nonetheless. We, maybe you'll we borrow it like the Stanley Cup from time to time. Yes, exactly, exactly. Now, Cassidy, I imagine many hosts have some kind of setup at home uh, year-round. You never know when you're going to have to break uh, some kind of new news story. But has your office started to resemble an ESPN studio with everything going on? Absolutely not. Um, I live in a New York apartment, two-bedroom apartment, with my um, one-and-a-half-year-old toddler who basically rules the house. So um, my setup is in my bedroom because it's the only place that I can actually lock the door uh, and keep her from running in and ruining all my shots. So there's been a couple shows where you can hear her screaming in the background. Um, Fortunately, she's napping right now during our, our show. My wife and I uh, met and fell in love in New York City. We moved down to Orlando five years ago, but we keep recounting, thinking to ourselves, how miserable would we be right now if we were in our tiny New York apartment? So very grateful it's, to be in a house. <laughs> it's been rough, man. It has been rough. Like, New York City is kind of um, its its own world. 
right now when it comes to dealing with this pandemic, it's just it's just the most susceptible city I, I feel in in our country. So it's been a little crazy, um, it, but uh, you know we're surviving. Thank God we're all healthy. Happy to hear it. You guys can follow Cassidy at Cassidy Hubberth. Uh, some news today. Adrian Wojnarowski says it's looking more and more like the continuation of the season will happen, and it will happen in my backyard at Walt Disney World. Uh, Bill Simmons of The Ringer says it's looking like the playoff schedule will take place between July 25th and September 20th. Uh, just conjecturing there. Have you begun considering, Cassidy, that you or others in your profession may be quarantining in Walt Disney World for two months this summer? It's absolutely, I've, I've been thinking about that um, a lot. And actually, since we've been in New York City, my husband and I have been trying to look at <laughs> getting away for at least the next month before, you know, possibly I will have to be gone for two months if, um, you know, I, I, I'm sent to cover uh, whatever games are going to be played uh, for the rest of the season. So um, <laughs> we, we want to take some time out of this uh, New York City apartment and try to find maybe a beach we can walk on that's open now. But um, yeah, I, I, we haven't heard anything yet from, from ESPN. Obviously we're all just following uh, the decision-making process with the NBA, but of course, you know, I'm, I'm circling the end of July where uh, things are going to be real different. Now it's pretty wild. I imagine you probably don't have many details, but obviously you have a toddler with you. It'd be pretty hard to be away for two months. Would would bringing your toddler into your hotel room, whether it's at the Contemporary or Fort Wilderness or wherever they set you up, would that be a, a major sticking point? I think it's hard. I don't know. You know, I, I haven't been able to wrap my head around making that decision yet because I haven't been presented with it. Um, and I think really we should apply it to what's going on with the players. I, I think there's a lot of logistics and variables that the NBA is having to deal with and consider. Um, that's why, you know, it's just not like, hey, let's get let's get back to playing. Uh, you know, the practice facilities are open. Let's all go head down to Walt Disney World. No, I mean, uh, I think the decision of are players going to allow to have their family there? And if they don't have their family, does that mean they're going to be separate from them for two months? Because you, the, I think the issue is if when you, when people are allowed to go in and out of the bubble, because then what's the point of the bubble um, if you can't control that? So I, I think that's going to be uh, a major issue for a lot of these people. Um, as we, you know, we've seen with some athletes across the other sports, and Mike Trout saying, you know, he, he his uh, like he, his his girlfriend or wife is expecting, and you know, he doesn't want to miss the birth of his first child, and so uh, it, it, things like that. Uh, it's a big league. It's a lot of players, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of family circumstances that you know, obviously we all don't know about. So I think it's going to be it's a lot more difficult. Um, then people are presenting it at face value as far as just like, hey, bubble time, two weeks, let's get these playoffs, uh, you know, and, and go. Because the whole problem with this virus is stopping the spread. Um, so it's either you have a bubble or you don't. Absolutely. Uh, and a lot of those logistics, I'm sure we'll get details of in probably sooner rather than later. Uh, just today, Brian Windhorst and Bobby Marks discussed a 16 seed playoff format. Uh, this would put Milwaukee as one, Lakers two, Toronto three, Clippers fourth, meaning that Milwaukee Cassidy would potentially have to beat both L.A. teams to win a championship. Have you seen this idea floating today? Do you think it's fair to introduce it at this juncture? What are your thoughts on this format? So. 
you're saying is so that they do it by um they did it by by conference or they did it by the entire league one through 16 i didn't see it my apologies no, not at all. You don't have to. I'll break it down for you. So instead of uh, having two separate conferences with each conference champion uh, coming to a head at the at the final uh, matchup, right now the idea being placed out there is condensing all 16 teams into one, you know, best of 16, kind of like March Madness-esque tournament so that you right, have seats right. one through 16. Now the problem with that is that you're, you know, you're splicing the West to the East. You're putting Philadelphia now at 12th. Uh, you've got the Los Angeles Lakers playing Brooklyn in the first round. You've got Milwaukee uh, still playing the Magic, conveniently enough. But in terms of this, there's there's just a wide spectrum of uh, teams who will be pleased with out- this outcome and teams like Milwaukee who may not be so pleased with this outcome. And the fact that it's being introduced so late, you know, maybe Milwaukee shaves a couple of games to avoid the Clippers if they had known about this going ahead. It just seems like logistically they might be introducing this idea too late, but in the future might be a bit more viable. Uh, would you like to see this, this new idea introduced now, since there's no home games, uh, there's no better time to try it than now. Right. And, and before when people were discussing the two sites, uh, Las Vegas with hosting the West and, and, you know, Disney hosting the East, um, it, you know, it kind of made sense to keep it still East versus West, but now that they're all on one site, um, and if they go straight to the playoffs, it does feel like it'd be more fair to pick the top 16 teams um, as opposed to just breaking it down by conference because, uh, you know, we're looking at the actual every single team stacked up, record stacked up against each other. So, um, you know, I, I understand your point about like Milwaukee, you know, having, been, having the best record and should have an easier first round, but like, you could argue that for the Lakers and so on and so forth. I mean, you have the 16, 16 top teams. Um, and I, I think, you know, especially coming from the Pelicans who are on the outside looking in, you can test that there's a good 16 teams um, who, who, you know, could, could really challenge any team um, one through 16. So uh, I, I, why not? I mean, there's, there's, there's no, rule book right now for this type of situation like we there's the nba has never had anything like this where we like first of all it's going to be um in in a bubble situation where all the teams are in the same area and you know we have to figure out a way to get the season done in the most quote-unquote fair way um in the little amount of time because you want to limit the amount um that people can get exposed to the virus you know obviously you want to have a good um, you want to have like a stretch where you feel good about the whoever's crown champion, but the more, the longer that it, you, you stretch out whatever run this is, um, you know, the, the more open you are to uh, and something happening. Yeah, definitely will be something that we'll have a lot of discussions going forward. 20 out of the 30 owners would have to approve it. So we haven't even gotten to that juncture right now. It's just in discussion. But Cassidy, I want to shift gears now and talk about uh, our Pelicans. We're fast approaching the one-year anniversary of the Anthony Davis trade, uh, quite possibly the biggest trade in Pelicans history, either that or Chris Paul, something that we don't like to refer to anymore, being that Eric Gordon was the prize of the trade. But, But let's go back in time a little bit. Uh, Davis originally cited winning as his primary purpose, though they had just swept the Blazers the prior offseason. Obviously, the Pelicans knew they'd have a decision to make that upcoming summer if he didn't extend. 
But were you surprised at the timing of his initial demand? I think it was a week or two before the trade deadline on January 28th or 29th. Were you surprised that he chose to do it then? Um, it, it, you know, when you're thinking back at that situation, obviously you wish it, it didn't play out publicly like that. Um, I, I, was I surprised? I, I mean, I guess I was a little less surprised given what happened with Paul George. I think I was more surprised when Paul George basically, you know, requested a trade in midseason. And then with Anthony Davis, it kind of just felt like, okay, I guess players are doing this now. Um, but, you know, he made it, it was pretty clear that he, you know, his heart wasn't with the Pelicans anymore. So, um, and I, I, as far as my surprise level, nothing surprises me in this league anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how I'm going to put that now, especially when it comes to, you know, players um, uh, taking control uh, of, of power um, and taking control of their own careers. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the Pelicans initially refused to trade him. Uh, they fired their general manager, Dell Demps, after a bizarre circumstance where Anthony Davis and Rich Paul left at halftime without informing anyone, at least according to Alvin Gentry. Uh, but then the Pelicans came to an understanding with the NBA that they'd play him 20 minutes per game throughout the remainder of the season. And they were risking quite a bit by doing that. Uh, he was their richest asset. They still had to deal him. Everyone knew they were going to deal him. He could have been injured at any point. Do you think the NBA made the right decision in insisting on Anthony Davis playing? What would you have done differently in that scenario? Yeah, I mean, I I think he should have been playing. I mean, there was – because also it was in the year, as we saw, that tanking was not going to be something that Adam Silver was going to tolerate. And, you know, um, which which – Obviously, the Pelicans benefited from with the with the draft lottery, but um, I, I just think as far as like that twenty minute limit, yeah, like it, you may feel like are a little too much government uh, governing your own team, but I, I do feel like he was still on that team. He should have been playing, and he should have been playing in crunch time. I didn't I didn't love that he wasn't playing um, down the stretch. I you know I, I understand he was an asset that needed to be traded, um, and that's how he was perceived after. Um, you know, requesting that trade, but I still, I still feel like if you have Anthony Davis, he should be, he should be playing. It's, it's, you know, he should be there to entertain fans. He should be there to take on the competition. That's just my feeling. I can understand why Pelicans fans would feel differently. Um, of course, uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not a Pelicans fan, so my heart it would, is not in the same place. Um, but I, I, I felt when that was going on, um, you know, him being benched with five minutes to go on a close game just didn't feel right to me. Yeah, no, it's a, a bizarre circumstance. Nothing I've ever been privy to watching. I, I'm not sure if anything comparable like it has happened uh, maybe before my time, but I, I would understand both sides of the spectrum, but it's truly just a bizarre circumstance and difficult to quantify what the right response would be to that situation. But you mentioned yeah. a lottery. The Pelicans win it. They shock the world. If New York wins it, perhaps they deal Zion for AD. Who knows? And then Durant and Kyrie maybe join him. Or if they get number two, maybe AD for John Morant. Who knows? But the point is, the Lakers get locked in at number four. How did the outcome of that lottery kind of alter the course of NBA history? Well, I mean, let's let's just start with with how it altered the course, and just by the fact that the Pelicans got Zion. I mean, I think that's first and foremost. If if Zion would have, um, there's just, I mean, we haven't seen this type of 
um, lack of a better word, surprised in the draft um, since LeBron James. So um, you can, if you want to say how did this, how did that alter? It's say if you know um, the Cavs didn't get you know LeBron James, and um, I, I just uh, that to me that that Zion Williamson. It, as we can see, every time he steps on the court, he, he delivers. He, he, he is must-be TV. He is um, box office. All, all the cliches you want to you want to say. And um, and I'm sure as you have felt around this team, um, that type of attention, that type of um, just just desire to find out what's going on with this team and how they're gelling and and like capturing the the attention of uh, the NBA in in a league where LeBron James is still you know the king on, on you know the best team in the West um, you know Zion Williamson was was stealing headlines uh, even when he wasn't even playing so uh, I think the reason that that draft changed the course of the NBA is because we have a a new superstar who has the ability to captivate audiences we haven't seen um, in a while. All right, great stuff, Cassidy. Two more, and then I'll get you out of here. Let's talk the initial framework of the deal. Uh, It was kind of scary at the time for Pelicans fans because Brandon Ingram was coming off what could have potentially been a career-threatening injury. Lonzo Ball had missed 65 games in two seasons. Josh Hart was a nice role player, and of course they got those draft picks in the deal. But at the time of the deal, it was declared a big win, I think universally by David Griffin, at least from what I saw, uh, in terms of what he was able to extract from Rob Palenka. Does the deal look even better to you now? It does. It absolutely does. Just because, uh, you know, in the time that I spent, because you were, you were never going to get the full value of what you thought for Anthony Davis because he wanted out. And so you, you needed to make a deal. Um, and so you lost that leverage there just by him saying he was leaving regardless. Um, and sure, there was that question mark with Brandon Ingram. But if you, you know, paid attention to the league and paid attention to people who were around Brandon Ingram, he, he had people believing that um, he had he had it, that he, he is that he is talented. I think, you know, it goes back even when Magic Johnson said that he was untradeable um, because of the ceiling that, that he has. And then, uh, Lonzo Ball even, um, just just the move out of L.A. to, to New Orleans, um, I think has done wonders for him. Uh, and being around him this year, just him improving his shot um, and working with Brandon Ingram and even the buddy relationship he has with Zion Williamson, that type of, um, you know, atmosphere has allowed him to be his own man and not, you know, whatever you want to say, the surface that was around him uh, in L.A., um, you know, as a rookie. So I just think it was a really, really nice transition for all those players who can argue, can you know, came into New Orleans with a chip on their shoulder, um, Brandon Ingram trying to prove that, you know, he was healthy. And also, you know, he, he is uh, more of a subdued, uh, you know, shy type of um, personality. And in talking to him, he just said, you know, New Orleans fits me better. Um, I, you know, I just feel more at home here. Uh, same with, same with um, you know, Lonzo Ball. And then Josh Hart as well. I just, I think that having that group of, of three Lakers too, you know, feeling like, they they were on the trading block, you know, for all, like that whole season, and having that chip on their shoulder and coming there together, uh, just kind of had an established chemistry, 
which then, you know, uh, is able to impact uh, a Zion or a Drew Holiday. And I, it does feel like a really cohesive group down, down there. And I, I think they're only going to get better. All right, Cassie, last one. I'll get you out on this. Uh, obviously, we, we don't know what the path forward is going to be. Uh, I've been pushing for playoffs only just in terms of safety. Uh, but there's been conversations about a play-in tournament, potentially eliminating just the bottom six seeds and having everybody else play some kind of tournament. Uh, in terms of the Pelicans, the Blazers, and the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies have had the easiest strength of schedule. They've got the hardest coming up. The Blazers and the Pelicans have played some of the hardest schedule, and now it's really breaking up for them, and they're just behind the Memphis Grizzlies. Do you think that teams like the Blazers and the Pelicans deserve the opportunity, given the circumstance, to still fight for that playoff spot? Yeah, I mean, I would love to see a play-in tournament. Um, I would think also, like, if you're going to have teams, you know, practice and get ready for a, a month of, of training that you would hope that they get at least you know a couple games um to play but uh, who doesn't want to see um john morant versus zion williamson <laughs> i think i think everyone would want to sign up for that and and uh you know i i just i i don't know what the right answer is i don't think there is a right answer uh because you know there's just as we talked about earlier there's just too many variables and i you know to your point of just starting with the playoffs but it does, it does, it, it, it would feel a little more fair if you would have some of those fringe teams just at least battle it out. As we saw, as we saw, um, you know, two years ago when we had practically a play in game with, with Denver and Minnesota, like that, that, that's, especially since we were, you know, robbed of, um, the NCAA tournament. If we're, if they're going to do NCAA tournament style one through 16, might as well have play in games like they do, um, with the tournament. Uh, so, I I think if it may be hard, you know, if you ask a team like Pelicans to train for a month together and then you only play one game, but I think um I I think you you probably ask all those guys, you know, if you can have play play and train to have one game to try to make it into the playoffs when you're really on the outside looking in anyways, I think they'd all say yes. Um and you know, it's certainly something I'd like to see. All right, great stuff. That's all the time we have for now. Thank you so much to Cassidy Hubberth for her time. Remember to follow her at Cassidy Hubberth. Uh, you can see her on some of your favorite shows on ESPN. Cassidy, best wishes to you, your husband, and your toddler in New York right now. Uh, it's got to be difficult times for you. Uh, I hope you're able to get out and see some beaches and get some fresh air. Thank you. I appreciate it. hope you stay safe and healthy to you and your family as well. for listening to the bird calls on the armchair all-american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today